Welcome to episode 179. I'm Stuart McCullough, I'm the CEO of VHAA. Joining me for this week's discussion is workplace relations consultant, Bree Marinia. Good afternoon, Bree. Good afternoon, thanks for having me, Stuart. Uh, absolute pleasure. We're gonna skip straight to our clue and I'm gonna bring something up on screen, which is the clue for today's discussion. Uh, now, Bree, uh, hopefully you can see that, but for the benefit of the people who are listening to this podcast rather than watching, can you describe that object? So looking at that clue, it's a psychedelic looking album cover, I believe, and it says Access to Love, Jimi Hendrix. Access Bold as Love. Bold uh, as Love. By, by Jimi Hendrix. Whoop. Well done for picking it as an album. Um, uh, as such, it definitely is an album. Uh, so it's a, the second album by Jimi Hendrix. It was released in, I think, 1967. Um, but it sort of is a bit of a bit of a clue for today. What would you say on the basis of that, that clue, the subject for the discussion today is? Struggling to link it to employment relations. <laughs> um, something to do with access. It's funny, you know, Jimi Hendrix was renowned for his ability to advise on unfair dismissals, but uh, leaving that to, to, to one side, uh, Access, you are absolutely banging on the right door. We're talking about access to personal carers leave uh, as such. That's not one of the names on, on Jimi Hendrix's album, but it is the subject for today's podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about a case that concerns access to personal carers leave. Hey, there you go. So what was the name of the case and the member of the commission who dealt with the matter? So the case that we're talking about today is Moore and Ballarat Health Services. Uh, and Deputy President Clancy was the single member who presided over the matter. Uh, there ended up actually being three decisions related to the dispute uh, regarding the access of personal carers leave. Why were there three decisions? So it's a bit of a strange circumstance. The case involved an orthodist prothetist uh, and the original dispute was actually notified under the wrong agreement. Specifically, it was notified under the Health and Allied Managers and Admin uh, Workers Agreement 2016 to 20, uh, so the wrong agreement. Did the Commission make a decision in regard to that agreement? So that issue didn't get picked up um, uh, before a decision was made. So uh, the original decision was made on the 26th of October and it was based on that wrong agreement. So after that initial decision, uh, the parties did manage to establish that uh, there was in fact a different agreement, specifically uh, that it was the Allied Health Professionals Agreement uh, that was the relevant agreement to the dispute. So what occurred as a result? Well, the Commission made a second decision uh, on the 27th of October, which revoked the original decision, uh, and it was agreed between the parties that the decision should be revoked and that the dispute should be redetermined based on the correct enterprise agreement. That makes sense. So this resulted in the third decision under the correct enterprise agreement. That's right, decision number three, which was uh, which came on the 15th of December, uh, and it was a determination uh, under that Allied Health Professionals Agreement. All right, so what were the facts of the case? So this is interesting because it goes to the issues that a lot of members have faced in, in the context of unusual circumstances that are arising from COVID. So at the time of the dispute, the employee worked uh, four shifts per week of 9.5 hours. That was done in accordance with a flexible working arrangement. The employee had two children aged four and two, and the employee's uh, mother would look after those children on Tuesdays, but the COVID-19 pandemic ended up affecting those arrangements. How so? 
So the employee's mother received advice uh, from, from a doctor over the weekend of the 21st of March, saying that she would need to self-isolate at home and was advised that due to medical conditions, she could not see her children or grandchildren. And there were some added complexities regarding the case and communication between the employer, HR and relevant managers. Uh, that's correct. So the employee submitted to the commission that uh, that he was told by HR that he could take care of leave for the Tuesdays. However, the employee could not recall who the individual in HR was that had provided that advice and there was no record of that query. So what occurred following the conversation with HR? So the employee's immediate supervisor was on leave at the time, so the employee advised the delegate manager that he was entitled to take care of leave every Tuesday from 24 March for a period of eight weeks. Was there any further clarification that occurred regarding the leave? Uh, yes, on the 11th of May, the employee's manager clarified with HR that the carer's leave could not continue and that it shouldn't have been accessed in the, in the first place. So the employee was advised that the carer's leave had to be cancelled, that the leave would have to be retrospectively changed to either annual leave or long service leave. So what did the employee submit to the Commission? Well, the employee submitted to the Commission that it was unfair and disputed uh, that it could be that that change could occur because in his view the carer's leave had been approved by the HR manager. The employee indicated that uh, he had permission, uh, that had permission not been granted uh, the, to take carer's leave, that other options could have been reviewed such as alternative uh, childcare arrangements. Was there anything else? The employee also referred to a leave guide uh, which was reviewed at the time by the manager. They considered the circumstance comparable to the taking of special leave uh, said to be available whereas an, where an employee is unable to attend work uh, because they are required to uh, provide care for one or more of their children as a result of a school and or a childcare centre being closed or operating under remote learning arrangements uh, on the advice of the Victorian Chief Health Officer. Was any of the information submitted by the employee disputed by Ballarat Health Service? So uh, the health service didn't dispute that the phone call to HR was made by the employee, but it did contend that the employee assumed that the individual they'd spoken to had the authority to approve that kind of leave. And they didn't? No, the two people who were responsible uh, for assessing requests and circumstances relevant to COVID-related uh, leave had not been contacted. So when did those responsible for the assessment become aware of the circumstance? So when the government announced that uh, five visitors uh, would be allowed in a person's home, this is when the manager inquired with HR whether the existing arrangement could continue. In summary, what did Ballarat Health Services submit? So the health service submitted that the use of paid carers leave for the employee's particular circumstances was not permitted by the Enterprise Agreement or under the Fair Work Act. Special leave was not available under the DHHS guidelines for the employee's particular circumstances. Further, the processes for approving leave were not followed because of a genuine mistake by both the employee and the manager, and the correct type of leave uh, should be applied to the period of absence. Was there agreed questions that were to be arbitrated? So there were three questions that were agreed to be arbitrated. And what were they? So we'll bring those up on the screen now. Firstly, can an employee's approved carer's leave be retrospectively changed to another leave type by the employer without the employee's agreement in the event the reason for the leave is found 
not to meet the enterprise agreement definition for carers leave. Question two, in the event that the answer to question one is no, how should the leave be described and paid? And three, are any of the offers by the employee to split the difference or alter future long service leave part-time payments considered appropriate compromises? What principles did the Commission use to decide the cases? With any interpretation issue, um, it always starts with the case of, of Berry. Uh, that's uh, uh, AMW and Berry uh, Proprietary Limited. Uh, so the Deputy Pres uh, President relied on the principles in that case. Did the Commission have the same finding under each enterprise agreement? This is the interesting part. So no, the Commissioner, uh, the Commission reached a different outcome uh, with respect to the different agreements. And why is that? Uh, what was found is effectively that there were differences between the personal carers leave provisions of the Health and Allied on the one hand and the Allied Health Professionals Agreement on the other. So turning to the first decision under the incorrect Health and Allied Services Managers and Admin Workers Agreement 2016 to 2020, what was the decision? Sorry, and just to be clear, when we say the incorrect Health and Allied Services Agreement, we're saying it was incorrect for the employee. Yeah. Uh, the agreement itself is, is incorrect. So the Deputy President found that the employee was eligible for personal carers leave under that enterprise agreement. And what was the reasoning? It was due to a particular provision in the enterprise agreement that allows paid personal carers leave to be taken because of subclause 76.2a Roman numeral 4. It's up there on the screen now and, and states the requirement to provide ongoing care and attention to another person who is wholly or sub substantially dependent on the employee provided that the care and attention is not wholly or substantially on a commercial basis. And that clause is in addition to the NES entitlements within the enterprise agreement? It is. So it's in addition, it's an additional subclause that supplements uh, the NES and allows personal carers leave to be taken in those circumstances. And the commissioner found that the clause appeared wide enough for it to apply in the circumstance? Uh, he did. The deputy president formed the view that the clause was wide enough to have applied to the employee when he was required to provide that ongoing care and attention to uh, his dependent children. Was the exclusion addressed? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was observed that there was a particular exclusion regarding wholly or substantial, uh, substantially commercial arrangements within the subclause. Uh, another exclusion at subclause 76.6D was also addressed. And what was that further exclusion? So that in normal circumstances, uh, an employee must not take leave to care for an immediate family member or household member where another person has taken leave to care for the same person where, where the only reasons the employee could be excluded from the taking uh, of the leave was under subclause 762A4. And those exclusions did not apply in the circumstance? No, they didn't. So what was considered next? So the Deputy President also found that the relevant notice and evidence provisions were complied with. So with all of this information together, the Deputy President found that the employee was able to take personal or carer's leave in the circumstances they did. That's correct. And as a result, uh, the Deputy President did, did not answer the remaining two questions. That is, having established that there was an entitlement to personal carer's leave under the Health and Allied Agreement, uh, then there was no need to answer questions two and three. So what about the decision under the correct enterprise agreement being the Allied Health Professionals 2016 to 2020? 
So here's where it gets really interesting. The deputy president found that the uh, carer's leave was not available under the Allied Health Professionals Agreement. Why is such a different determination? Because the Allied Health Professionals Agreement didn't have a, an additional provision that supplemented the NES uh, in the way that the Health and Allied Agreement did. What clause was the assessment made against then? Uh, Subclause uh, 62.3, which deals with unexpected emergency. What did the deputy president find? So the deputy president found that the only occasion upon which an employee was required to look after his children capable of coming within the definition of unexpected emergency uh, really came at the start, that is on the 24th of March 2020. And thereafter? So the deputy president found uh, that the ongoing requirement um, for caring arrangements uh, and to have those in place for the employee's children, at that point it was no longer unexpected or the result of an emergency at that point. Was there any other observations? So the employee knew that they would have to make uh, new caring arrangements for the dependent uh, children on Tuesdays and was on notice from the 21st, 22nd of March uh, that that was the case. And so therefore it was not unexpected uh, and any initial emergency had passed after the 24th of March. What about observations about alternative arrangements? So the deputy president noted that the employee could have looked into other options such as his uh, partner altering her hours of work, working from home, or the utilisation of childcare for an extra day. What about the evidence and notice requirements? Those were appropriately complied with. Okay, so what ended up happening with the other period? The Deputy President advised uh, that the personal leave had to be recredited because the employee was not eligible nor entitled to take personal carer's leave from 31 March uh, through to the 5th of May inclusive. What about the arguments regarding changing the leave type to another type of leave instead of just recrediting it? So the Deputy President found that the health service could not unilaterally change what was incorrectly taken to another type of leave um, because they're taken in a particular manner. Uh, so for example, annual leave must be taken for a period that is agreed between the employee and the employer. And what was the final observation made in that regard? The employee could elect uh, to repay the equivalent period uh, uh, back to Ballarat Health Service. Uh, if no agreement was reached, then the health service uh, would have to institute legal proceedings against the employee for recovery. So what did the two cases highlight? So highlights a couple of things, one of which is how challenging it is for health services and for employers generally to make decisions about unusual circumstances such as those that have been presented during the course of the pandemic. Uh, but also it sort of emphasises the importance of reviewing each circumstance and the terms of the relevant enterprise agreement as they, there may be historical differences between them that can alter the result. Very interesting. Thanks, Stuart. Thank you, Bree.